glad to have you with us tonight. Get your Bibles out, please, would you? Turn to the book of Acts. The book of Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. A-C-T-S, the book of Acts. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm having a little throat problems here. Turn to Acts chapter number 11. Acts chapter number 11, <coughs> verse number 21. We'll start at verse number 21. I'll read out loud. You read along with me silently, as is our custom here at the Anchor Baptist Church. Acts chapter 11, starting in verse number 21. And the hand of the Lord was upon them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church, <coughs> excuse me, I'm sorry, which was in Jerusalem. By the way, it's a specific church in a specific place, and it was a literal church. No universal, invisible, no such thing, no such thing. Uh, and they sent forth Barnabas uh, that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that uh, with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was uh, a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people were added unto the Lord. Then Paul de then departed Barnabas to Tarshish for to seek Saul. And when they had found him, they brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass at, at that. At, I'm sorry. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church. I'd like to see the invisible church tonight. Anyway, uh, taught much people. Listen carefully. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. By the way, they didn't call themselves Christians. They were called Christians. The first time that was ever used, that word was ever used, was in Antioch. And so what happened was, we have to understand, somebody looked at these people and said, you, wait a minute, you remind that guy that hung in that car, you, you, remind, you talk like he does. You, you know, you kind of behave like he does. And so they, you're like Christ, aren't you? Yeah, which is what Christian means, like Christ or Christ-like. You understand? So it was first happened, so they had a name. And that name represented something, something, something or someone. Everybody's name does. Now, I'm not going to use your name in particular, but I want you to understand when your name is mentioned, it reminds people of things. Whether you want it to or not, it reminds us of certain things, and we need to be careful about that. I want to talk to you about this tonight, character, which is our series, a character and a good name, a good name. Father, thank you for the Bible. Thank you, dear Lord, I pray. I know there are times probably all of us think I don't have a good name tonight. As I was reading today, Lord, come to find out that sometimes we're so burdened thinking we're worthless and we'll never mount anything and I sinned again and woe is me and God probably looks on me with disdain and probably hates me being a part of his family. But that's not Bible. That's not what the Bible teaches at all. And so, Father, help us to understand there is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Once I have confessed my sin, once I have turned to you, once I have gotten those things right with you, only the devil brings conviction on me now. Only my own flesh wants me to feel conviction. It's not coming from you. It's coming from other sources. So, Father, help me, please, if at all possible, to live up to my name. Not George Bell, but the name Christian. 
Help us, please. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The character, we talk about character, you go, what's this got to do with the Bible? Oh, it has everything to do with the Bible. The reason people keep doing a lot of the wrong things, falling out, quitting, is because of a lack of character. Remember I've told you before, we tend to believe, well, if Christ wants me to do it, he'll make me. No, he won't. Christ will not make you. The devil cannot make you. God gave you a will. And that will, a lot of what depends upon that is not just what you've been taught. A lot of it has to do with the character that you are or the character that you have. Character, a person marked by notable qualities, qualities that are worth noting, okay? Good qualities, if you would. Trains of consistency. In other words, nope, that's them. Nope, they'll do it again. Nope, there they are again. That's what they do. Trains or consistency, you understand? So, Christian character. Christian character is the subconscious doing of right or moral excellence, firmness, consistency, ready, for Christ. It's not about you. It's about Christ. Okay? Now watch this very carefully. How do we obtain character? The illustration probably speaks better than the definition. It's like a young boy learning to bounce a basketball or throw a football. You watch somebody that don't have to throw a football. They, they go... And just boom, like that, you know. And you just teach them, no, you put your thumb on the back of there and you grab that thing and you put a spiral on that. They don't know how to do that. And you go like, oh, no, it's real easy. It's easy because you learned. So it's a part of you now. But you take a kid that knows how to uh, bounce a basketball. We don't have any in this in this church. but uh, And you'll find out that what they do, uh, they can talk to you. They can chew gum. They can bounce a basketball. They can spin it on their finger while they're talking to you. And you think, man, that is really a lot. Well, they probably worked on it most of their life. You see these guys in professional sports, they, for the most part, did that one thing all their life. They ought to be good at it. By the way, you've been saved for a long time. You ought to be good at it. You ought to have something down. But you see, that's character. So what is it really? It is really consciously, consciously doing, okay, right, ready? I'm going to bounce a basketball. Oh, I get you again. I'm going to try it again. I'm going to try it again. So consciously, I'm working at something consciously I'm applying something, consciously I'm thinking about it. I'm going to get this. I'm going to do this. So I do it consciously, doing right until until it becomes reflex or we go like this. That's just them. No, nobody's born with that. Somebody had to teach and then somebody had to go over it and over it and over it and over it till now we go like this. No, they're just real good at math. Nobody is born just good at math. And most of us, even after that, Anyway, so what happens is it is the conscious, oh, so God wants us to do that. Okay, I have to do that. I have to do it again. I have to do it again. I have to do it again consistently until I no longer, watch, I no longer have to think about it, and I no longer have to wonder if it's right or wrong. The reason people are changing today, now they're wondering if it's right or wrong now. Once you get something settled according to the Bible, why did you rethink that at all? You weren't settled. Something was wrong. For example, I believe in eternal security. I don't care what argument you bring up. You'll never change me from that. I believe tithes and offerings are right to the local church. You'll never change me from that. You know why? I know it's the Bible. It's been proven to me. Got that down. Over and over and over and over and over. And you say, preacher, do you think about giving? I think about my giving, but I don't think about whether I'm going to give or not. See the difference there? So there are two freedoms that we have in this world, people think. Ready? The false one is, I'm free to do as I please. That's a false freedom. 
there really should never be any such thing. I'm free to do as I please. The other one is I have freedom to do what I should. One is based upon character and truth, and the other one is based upon flesh and doing what you want to do. In Acts chapter 11, verse number 21, we just read this. God's people were first called Christian. The word Christian carries with it a lot of stuff, a lot of information. So when somebody mentions your name, it's carrying with it an idea, a picture, something about you. And this is what we're going to talk about tonight. Christian means Christ-like. Having the name or label Christian is an honor. It's an honor. By the way, they didn't call themselves Christian. This was a slur at this time. Anybody that hung on a cross was like capital punishment. Oh, you must have done something really bad to do that. That's, that's what they did when they crucified people. And so for you to be claiming, somebody said, oh, you're like Christ. That wasn't like, yes, I'm a Christian. No, that's American today. But back then it was like, oh, you're like the guy that died on the cross on that hill over there, right? Uh, yeah, you're one of those. Uh, you're like Christ, Christian. So it was a slur. It was a slap. It was a mockery is what it was. So we find out here when prospective parents, uh, which we've had gangs of them over the years, uh, decide to have children. They will go, many of them, now I guess you go online. I'm still under that whole books thing, you know, go get a book. And so you get a book and you start looking through there at night for different names of kids and these kinds of things. And you, you want to know a little bit about the, where the name came from, the origin. And ocean is not an origin, it's a place. I don't get that. But anyway, so people now today, just like Chinese people, you know, the way they name their kids, you know, they drop spoons, bing bong, ting chang, bong bong, and that's what they do. Has no meaning to it really whatsoever. Now, George is kingly, handsome. I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm going to preach whether you want to hear it or not. So what happens here is this. It also carries meanings. When you look that up, say, I wonder what his name means. I'm going to call my child this. I wonder what that means. So it carries a meaning. A name carries a meaning. Even in the Bible, Esau meant man of the field and red. That's what his name meant. Bathsheba, I don't know why God named her ahead of time, but I guess she's known for taking a bath. I don't know. But Achan, got the picture? Okay, so everybody's name in the Bible meant something and the same thing here. So we go, it carries a, perhaps you've noticed people avoid certain, naming their children certain names. You ever notice that? How many people know one of your friends named Jezebel? Anybody? He does not. Put your hand up. Jezebel was a filthy, dirty, arrogant, man-leading woman that nobody wants to name their kids after. I'm not making that up. It's in the Bible. Benedict Arnold. Now, there's a name you can trust. So when you hear Benedict Arnold, first of all, if you knew anything about American history, you'd go, wow, maybe he's a good guy. No, he wasn't a good guy. And so what happens here is, how about Judas? Let's name our kids Judas. I don't know anybody named your kids Judas. Judah maybe, but not Judas. How about this one right here, Cain. He's the first murderer. Who would name their kid Cain? Now, I know there are people out there named Cain, but please understand, right? What's that, your name, middle name? Here's a good one right here. Everybody wants to name their boy Hitler. Why not? Because of what it carries with the name. 
you think as soon as I mentioned Hitler, your name thought about certain things. As soon as I mentioned Cain, your mind went to the, the first boy that was ever born. As soon as I mentioned Jezebel, if you knew anything about the Bible, your mind would go there. Mussolini, same thing. I don't care who it is. If you know anything about them, it's not just that's their name. No, it carries with it an identity, a character about them. So in Proverbs chapter 22, verse number 1, go there, would you please? Proverbs, right in the middle of your Bible is Psalms. Right after that should be Proverbs. Proverbs chapter number 21. Proverbs chapter 21, look at the first verse, and look, look if you would, at the very first, oh no, that's not right, uh, 22-1, yeah, I'm sorry, there you go. You see what it says, a good name, not just a name, a good name, is rather to be chosen than great riches. So think about all the great riches you could possibly accumulate. God Almighty said, a good name is better than all of them. God is simply saying, if you have a good name, it carries with it certain things of great value. Or bad, okay? These names lack respect. The, all the Hitler and all these other people here, when people hear your name, now don't think too much for a second. I'm cool. When they hear your name, what do you suppose it leads them to think about? Don't overthink things. Probably a Hercules or somebody like that. First of all, let's talk about this a little bit, okay? As a Christian, as a Christian, everybody in here, if you're a born again Christian, your name represents Jesus Christ. So I would ask you, does it? I'm not asking you to raise your hand or give a comment. I'm simply saying, does it? Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter number 3, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter number 3. 2 Corinthians chapter number 3. Look at verse number 2. Here we have a church that's they're not doing well. They're, they're baby Christians. They're, they're very fleshly. They're, they're worldly. A lot of things going wrong in here. And watch what the Apostle Paul says about them in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 2. Ye are our epistle. You know what that is? It's like a letter. You are our letter. Watch what he says. Written in our hearts, known and read of all men. People are reading you. People are looking at you and going, I can tell you what's wrong with that guy. I can tell you what they really like. I can tell you why they act that way. They're reading you. And Paul said, look, you're in our hearts. I want what's best for you. But men are reading you. Character and, and a good name is very, very, let me turn this on in case I get to one. If you are a Christian, your life is an open letter. Everybody's reading you. I didn't ask them to do that. Well, ask them or not, they're reading you. And so this is what happens all the time. What do, what do the saved and the unsaved? Paul told Timothy, be thou an example among the believers. He didn't say the lost people, though you should be. He said, no, Timothy, you listen to me. Among people who believe, you need to be an example. And he, then he lists a bunch of things that he thought he should be an example about. So when people look at you, saved and lost, people down on the job, your neighbors, people in here, making it, relatives, that's a tough one. What do people think of when your name comes to mind? They don't go like this, Bob, that's not what we think of. We, think, we hear the name Bob, it causes us to think of something, something about their character. In your life, 
Is your life a condensed version of the Bible? By that, I mean this. All the important characteristics aren't in there anymore. We just, well, I didn't ask people. We always make an excuse for things like that. Your life and mine may be the only Bible anybody's ever going to get a chance to read. You've heard people make that statement before, right? They're never going to, this is a big book. Most people, I don't like to read. You've never been taught to read. You don't, you don't enjoy reading, and you should have done that at a very, very little age. So now, it's, so if, if nobody's going to read this book, how are they going to get to know Christ? How are they even going to know he exists? Us. You are my epistle, my example. You are called Christians by a lot of people. Could someone see that you are an obviously a Christian? Obviously. Obviously. That guy's got to be a Christian. Or obviously, <laughs> no way. He goes to your church. Yeah, there's no way that guy's a Christian. That guy's a Christian. I'm going to heaven too. You ever hear people make that statement? What they're saying is you got to be kidding me. There's no way in the world. I don't care what the guy's name is. So number one, we represent our name, Christian, Christ, Christ-like. Number one. Number two, go to Psalm chapter number 15. Psalm chapter number 15. I have 45 of these, so we've got to hurry. Psalm chapter. I think I'm kidding. Psalm chapter number 15. Psalm chapter 15. Number two, to have a good name, this this is an epidemic. We should tell the whole truth. Well, I didn't exactly say that. You know, well, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't really put that word in. I didn't phrase the sentence that way. So what you're saying is you were deceitful. You know what you call that? You're not telling the whole truth. You're misleading on purpose. So watch what the Bible has to say. Psalm chapter 15, look at verse number 1. The Lord, I'm sorry, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? That's a question. Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? Look at verse number 2. He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness. and That's characteristics. He said, people that have this kind of character are the people that will walk upright. These are the people who shall dwell in my holy hill. These are the people who will abide with me. He's not talking about work salvation. You want to live, he said, when my word abides in you and you abide in me, ask what you will. He's talking about a relationship here. And this is the way we're supposed to be living. These verses teach us to always tell the whole truth. Well, he asked me, did I do this? I didn't do that because I did that also. That's being very deceitful, and you'll get to be known at that. Their handshake or their promise means very little. Do you know people like that? You talk to them, you go, no, I'm not coming for you, really. I know he shook my hand, but he promised, but it ain't going to happen anytime soon. I don't care what his name is. As soon as you hear his name, you're going, that guy will not keep his word. I know he will not keep his word. This is why people back up what they say with, phrases like this. Oh, no, I promise. First of all, if, if you're a man of your word, I don't need to hear, yeah, but I promise. You already gave me your word. This is why people go like this. I swear to God, you should never do that. Well, let me get this right. You just told me it was the truth, and now you think by rubber stamping, I swear to God, I'm going to believe you more. Actually, I'm going to believe you a whole lot less. People say things like, I really mean it this time. So you didn't mean it before? 
So you lied then, and now you try to come. So these are the things that we do. Honestly, I'll keep my word this time. The whole truth. I've had people tell me, preacher, if I told the whole truth, I'd be in prison. What were you doing? Or, look, I'm going to tell you something. Don't tell me that. I'll get, I'll get in bad trouble. I'm going to get out of jail. Don't tell me that. What are you doing running around with people like that? What are you doing running around with people that can get you in that kind of trouble? I mean, can I help you? When somebody says, like, I'm going to tell you something, but you can't tell anybody, here's what you should say, okay? Because a lot of times you're not sure what to say, so you stick your foot in your mouth. Let me help you get your foot out, okay? Here's what it is. Uh, hold it before you tell me. If I think somebody else needs to know, I will. So go ahead and tell me. You know what they'll say? Well, never mind then. Or you can run around going, what do I do? I don't want to be, I, you, adults, you, I'm squealing on people. What are you still in junior high school? I don't want people to think I'm squealing on them. What are you, like 35 years old, still talking like a junior high school kid? Anyway, I don't have time to get into all that. Let's be very, very careful here. What happens is you give your word, even if it costs you, you keep your word. Even if it costs you. When we started this church, there was a church before us that rented out that building over there that did not pay their bills. They promised they would. The guy let them rent that place out. And in the middle of the night, they took off and left bills there and left him holding the bag. They almost didn't want to rent to other people. I said, sir, you don't know me. I'll keep my word. I promise you I'll keep my word. He said, nah, I don't know. I'm tired of working with Christians. They never, that's bad. They don't keep their word. They don't pay their bills. I said, just all I'm asking you to give me a chance. So he gave us the little storefront around the corner, and he said, well, we'll see about that. Well, we signed a contract for a year. I think it was less than six months later, he asked us, do we want the bigger storefront? Now, you know what I had to do? They walked out and didn't pay their electric bill or their gas bill. And when that came due, the owner didn't want to eat that. So he said, well, see, here, here's what they do. I said, what do you mean? He couldn't believe it. You see, what that has to do is your character and your testimony. See, I'm a pastor. You're a Christian. When people think of you, what is it they think? They don't think of John, Bob, Bill. They don't think, as soon as your name's mentioned, no, they think of certain things about you. Where is the pledge that you made? In James chapter 1, verse 19, Wherefore, my beloved brother, let every man be swift to hear and slow, slow to speak and slow to wrath. First thing we do is speak and we go, ah, I probably shouldn't say that. Slow down. Slow down. Every time you stick your, Peter, you stick your foot in your mouth because you don't think before you open your mouth. He did that all the time. Great guy. Peter was a great guy. Reminds me a lot of me, but whatever. Watch this. I don't mean in his power. I mean in his sticking his foot in his mouth. So what happens, James said, we need to be slow to speak. Slow to speak. Slow to speak. Either know what you're going to say and why you're going to say it and make sure you understand that, or are you ready? I'm going to speak Italian right now. Shut in your mouth. What is wrong with us? It's like we don't know what else to say, so we've got to say something. No, if you don't know what to say, say nothing. Amen. People will think more of you when you do that kind of stuff. When your name is mentioned, you say, well, Pastor, I, I, I spoke too soon. I just, I probably shouldn't have, I spoke too soon. I made a pledge, and I, I, I shouldn't have said that. And You ever do that? Ready? I want you to go to Ecclesiastes. You're in Psalms? Forward? Ecclesiastes. By the way, this is Old Testament still Bible, right? We're still Bible believers. Okay, wonderful. God bless your heart. Oh, that's in the Old Testament. That's because you don't want to live right. 
Ecclesiastes chapter number 5. Ecclesiastes chapter number 5. I don't care what it costs you. When somebody mentions your name and says you're a Christian, that is a reflection on Jesus Christ. And a lot of people say, I'll tell you why I don't go to church. I knew this youth leader. I knew this, 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 this treasure. I knew this pastor. I knew this song director. And all of that reflects him because of us. And that's not real good because he didn't do anything wrong. He did everything right. But when people think of your name, what is it they think of? I want you to look at Ecclesiastes. You say, preacher, I just spoke too soon. I probably shouldn't have said that. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, look at verse number 2. Verse number two, be not rash with thy mouth. Please don't be in a hurry. Let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. There's a lot on my mind right now. Watch this. For God is in heaven and thou on the earth. Therefore, let thy words be few. Boy, wouldn't that be a blessing? Watch what he says. For a dream cometh through a multitude of business and a fool's voice is known by a multitude of words. When thou hast vowed a vow, vows a vow, unto God, this is serious business. God takes this very serious. Defer not to pay it. Well, I didn't know this was going to happen or that was going to. We'll talk about that in a minute. We've got to hurry. So watch what he said. Defer not to pay it. For he hath no pleasure in fools. The writer is saying, God doesn't like foolish people talking like this. He doesn't. So, what's he say? Pay that which thou hast vowed. That's simple. Better it is that thou shouldest not vow. And if you'd have thought about it, you'd have said like this, you know, we just can't. We just can't. There's no way. I won't help. There's just no way. Instead of going like this, you know something? I think I'm going to give $1,000 more a week. You make $200 a week. How are you going to do that? You, you say, well, that was foolish. That's what he just said. Don't say anything till you're absolutely sure what God wants you to do and why. Because once you give your word, God says, I'll tell you how I think about that. I always keep my word. And I expect you to be one of my kids to keep my word. So this is what God is talking about. Better it is that thou shouldest not vow vow than thou shouldest vow vow not pay it. Verse number six, suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. Neither say before the angel it was an error. I'm not really sure what all that means. The angels listen to our conversation. The angels listen to our conversation. I wonder what they think about that. You know, even in the New Testament, it talks about women acting a certain way and talking about blaspheming. And the angels desire to look into these things. I don't know what all that means sometimes, but it's kind of interesting to think about, right? You ever wondered, a lot of loved ones in here in heaven, I've been asked by you and a lot of other people, can they hear what I say? Do they know what we're going to? I know there's rejoicing in the presence of the, uh, presence of the angels when somebody gets saved. Does that mean all the rest of them are rejoicing too? So they must know something. How much do they know? Don't know. But let's just assume we're going to be okay with that. Are we going to be okay the way that we live knowing that people in heaven watch and hear? I'm not saying they do. I'm just saying if they do. You understand? 
invisible label on you that would reflect your true character when your name is mentioned? What should it be? He said, well, it's Jan's name. It's not, no, not now. Now there's a different label. The label represents your true character. What would it be? Mrs. Jealous? Mrs. Gossip? Say, no, my name's Mary. I know, but when they think Mary, they think, oh, she does this type of thing. Look at her. That's what happens. That's what people really do. How about this? Mr. Non-Reliable. Yeah, I'll be there. You never showed up. Oh, yeah, you depend on me. You never depend on you. Mr. Thief. Mr. Does Not Pay Back. Mrs. Bitterness. Is that you? You have to understand, they're not just thinking of your name. Your name reminds them of your character. And I just wonder what would happen if we were that. Your name, when mentioned, carries a label describing your character. Character is what makes, I'm sorry, character is what makes your actions. Right actions is what gives you a good name. Right actions give you a good name. Bad actions give you a bad name. Say your name never changed. My name's still George. But when George is mentioned, that guy, my name's still George, but they're going, him? They're thinking about my character. Those consistent traits in my life, good or bad, that's what they're thinking about. So we're talking about character and a good name. Number one, we represent that name, Christ. We should always tell the whole truth. Go to Ephesians chapter number 6, way up in the New Testament. Ephesians chapter number 6. I always like it when people in a Baptist church gets bored with teaching. You know, I prefer a teacher. Well, guess what? Get one. Line upon line, precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. Number three, we are to bring honor to our parents' name. Boy, that's slick nowadays, isn't it? We should bring honor to our parents' name. I can smell the wood burning right now. Uh, if you knew my dad, if you knew my mom, you'd understand why I don't. Okay, I want to talk to you about that in just a moment. Your family's name should be a respected name. It just should be. In Ephesians chapter number 6 and verse number 1. Children, it's in the story right there. There's no what ifs, no accepts. You don't understand. God knew everything, and he said, Here's the beginning and the ending of the story for you. Obey your parents. That's it. Yeah, don't be Understand, what he said, there is no instruction to children in the Bible. Except something right here. It's all towards parents or authorities about children. Can I help you understand the importance of this? There's nothing about teenagers in the Bible. Our whole world is all about teenagers and young people. It's not even it's not even there. But it does talk to parents about things like this. So what happens is simply this. Watch. In Proverbs chapter 28, verse number 7, whoso keepeth the law is a wise son. That makes sense, doesn't it? But watch this. But he that is a companion of riotous men shameth his father. So this thing about, well, I'm not hurting anybody but me, that's not true. You're hurting your family. I used to tell my kids all the time, you're a bell, don't act like it. You understand me? You don't act like it. But there's something about that that ought to carry some right character about it. Parents that care and understand this truth work hard to build a good family name. They're honest people. They work hard. They take care of the things that God has given them. They train their children right. You know why? 
they're trying to build a good name so that their kids, when they grow up, they're like, yes, you know who my dad is? Yeah, my dad does this. Yeah, he's a great guy. We like my dad. Yeah, my mom, she's okay too. No. And so this is what we need to do. Children have no right to mar their parents' name. You have no right. But look what's going on in our, in our world today. Just tearing apart anything that parents have tried to build just because you don't like what's going on anymore. So guess what happens when they think about your name and they think about their name? They think about their name and go, you know, I know their parents are good people. And then they mention your name. And you just brought disrespect on your parents' name because the way that we act. Live up to the name that was given to you. If you happen to have a family name that lacks good character traits, your opportunity. Let's build it. Let's bring some respect to that name. Let's build something that matters to that name. Look, my dad was a drunkard. My mom wasn't what she should have been. Uh, divorce, the whole nine yards. Everything that everybody finds about happened to me. Okay, got it? So I could have went down that lane and just said, well, that's what our family is. Bells in history, don't go and look at all that. Please don't do that. It was not good. Somebody's got to put the skids in, hit that emergency brake, say, that's it. We're making a right-hand turn, and we're not going down there. My whole family tree goes like this. Whoop. All of it. Then there was this little twig right here. That would be me, this little cute twig right here. See? That's family tree, this little twig. And it just kept growing as I followed the Lord and goes this way. Hopefully, brought a little honor to our family name. You have a generation to bring something good to your family name. Every time they think of you or think of your family, what do they think of? What do they think of? Number five, to have a good name, don't hurt others to help yourself. Don't hurt others to help yourself. Hey, that's their loss if they want to believe that. And it's not true. That's not true at all. I want you to go to Proverbs chapter number one. Proverbs chapter number one. Middle of your Bible, Psalms, Proverbs chapter number one. Don't hurt others to help yourself. Don't do that. It's, it's just not right. Proverbs chapter number one. Look at verse number 18 and 19. They that lay wait for their, uh, I'm sorry. They, and they lay wait for their, for their own blood. They lurk privately for their own lives. So are the ways of everyone that is greedy of gain, which taketh away the life of the owners thereof. This, is, this isn't good. This isn't good at all. They're in it for themselves, by hook or by crook, don't care who we have to hurt, as long as I get ahead. That's the American way now. A lot of it really is. Today's frivolous lawsuits is a real good example of this. Real good example of this. Turn to Proverbs chapter 28. You're almost there anyway. Proverbs chapter number 28. Proverbs chapter number 28. Look at verse number 20 and verse number 22. Verse number 20. This whole get-rich-quick scheme by hook or by crook, by lawsuit, by whoever I have to run over, get around, doesn't matter as long as I get ahead, is of the devil. It's not of the Lord at all. Now watch what it says. Verse number 20, chapter 28. A faithful man shall abound in blessings. Watch this. But he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. You in a hurry? You in a hurry to get all you can, can all you get? You're not innocent. Something's wrong with you. 
something's not right. Go down to verse number 22. He, uh, verse 22, he that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye. So let me get this right. Something's wrong with my heart and something's wrong with my eyes. I mean, you don't consider that you're going to come to poverty. It's, it's just going to happen. I'm just, I'm just reading to you the word of God. Example, illustration, suing a dentist decades and decades later because a toothbrush company, I'm using these things weird too, you understand what I'm saying, somebody makes toothbrushes, made the bristles too hard and it wore grooves in the enamel of your teeth. So you sue the company. You've got the bristles, you hit them on there like that and they get dented the, you know, the, the countertop, but you used it anyway. But look what it did and so you sue. You know what you're doing? You're this kind of a person. When they think of you, they think, don't trust that person. They're just out for money. Let me give you another illustration. I saw this the other day. A cookie company was sued because a woman who bought a bag of cookies, on the outside it showed a cookie or a donut or something that had like a face, like two little eyes and a mouth. When she opened it up, it didn't look like that, so she sued. Over a cookie. Over a are you listening to me? Over a cookie? Over a cookie. The outside of the package did not represent the true inside of the package. Well, that's a good reason to sue people. Let me give you another one. A person clumsily opens up a cup of hot coffee. Nobody made them. And they got burned. So they burned the company sued them, took them to court, sued them because they were clumsy and didn't pay any attention. So when they handed you that scalding hot cup of coffee, you could not feel that? You did not understand that? Or you just don't know how to open up a cup of coffee? Seriously? So it's their fault because you're clumsy. It's their fault because you spilled coffee on you. This is our society today. I'm going to get ahead. I don't care who I have to sue or who I have to get over on. Here's another one right here. Ready? A nine-year-old boy broke into a house. He broke in, come find out later on, to destroy the house and steal anything he could. Nine years old. Once he got in the house, what evidently he failed to research was the owner had a dog. And the dog mauled the boy. Don't feel sorry for the kid. He mauled the boy. And you need to keep in mind, the owner has a right, according to the Constitution of America, to protect his own home. He didn't tell the boy, come on in, I got a dog hiding. He didn't say that. The boy decided to break the law, break into the house, and the dog got a hold of him. Mom sued him. Mom sued. The boy's parents brought a lawsuit against the owner, and they were awarded $400,000. See, it's like, wow, I like to have that kind. See, that's the way we think. This is all wrong. In essence, the thief was awarded, and the homeowner who was defending what was rightfully theirs got penalized. This is what he's talking about here. Don't hurt others to help yourself. And that's all that this is when people do things like this. God teaches that a person hurts his name when they take advantage of other people. You remember Jesus said, instead of suing people in court, Wouldst thou not rather just accept the hurt? Just say, okay, whatever, let's just settle this thing. 
But we don't do that. I've got to prove to you that I'm right and what he said was not true. And I will do this. I don't care how much it costs me. This is our mentality today. You know, there was a time, I'm not sure now, but in, I think it was California. They had one attorney to every 300 people in California. Isn't that a little overkill? You know what that's saying to you? And you see all these, uh, see, uh, hurt in a car? Yeah, you know, you do that all the time. Have you been hurt by a truck? You know, they've got a lot of attorneys there. They're setting you up to go, yeah. As soon as my wife was in a car accident, she tried to drive underneath another car, it didn't work. And uh, first thing, she started getting phone calls. Because as soon as the ambulance, the police report it, they start calling. They will actually tell you. 40 years from now, you could be in prison. You just need to be careful. Okay? So it would be my suggestion, if I was your attorney, yeah, yeah, that, that could be true. So when you fall down and hurt yourself, who do you sue? Well, in today's society, if there's ice out here on the sidewalk, you know whose responsibility that is? Unless the state says, Nobody can keep up with this. So then all of a sudden, it's nobody's fault. But if you don't, that's your fault, and we'll sue the daylights out of you. Remember, a good name is rather to be had than great riches. A good name, just a good name. I'll tell you something, that is a good guy right there. That guy right there will keep his word. That person right there, I'm telling you, you talk about a hard worker. That person there, you'd love to have work with. That's a good name. They don't say, your name is good worker. No, your name is Bob, and they say, you're a good worker. So when they hear Bob, they think of your name as a good worker. So Proverbs chapter 22, verse number one, a good name is rather to be a, you would rather have a good name than great riches. A good name will take you a whole lot farther. As soon as they find out you're a rich, stingy, you don't help anybody, you're in it for all you can get, it doesn't make any difference how much you've got. They don't like you. So as a Christian, we represent Christ. As a Christian, we should always tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, okay? As Christians, we are to bring honor to our parents' name. As Christians, don't hurt other people to get ahead. Okay? Next. As Christians, your spouse deserves to have a good name. Sam's going to remember me for a long time. Your spouse, you know what a spouse is? That's your mate. That's the person you marry, man or woman. It doesn't make any difference. Upon marriage, a woman takes the name of the man she married. He also must live with her character, helping or hurting, that comes with it. The family name, his name. A wife gives up her name and takes the name of her husband. Sometimes I wonder, I really have, should the husband, the way that he lives and his character, should have changed his name to hers? Because her name carries a much better story with it. Instead of their last name being Smith, probably should have been Bennett. He said it doesn't work that way. Isn't that too bad? Because he could have probably went a lot farther going on her name than she went on his name. So this is what, yeah, you're welcome. So here's what I'm trying to say. Husbands, a wife gives up her name. Husbands, your wife inherited a name from you which means What's it mean, sloppy, lazy, sleepy, dopey, and all those seven words? Impolite, selfish, 
You remember I was telling the story back here about um, uh, Nabal and, and Abigail. Abigail, you know the story in the Bible with David. She knew he was curlish, Kurdish, Kurdish. He was stubborn, uh, hard man, hard to get along with, didn't get along, didn't play well with others, this kind of stuff. Abigail, I forget what her name means, but it's like she's the nicest person that you could ever run. How in the world those two ever get together? It's like Abby and Jordan. I have no idea how that ever happened. And so what happened was she goes to David. David was going to kill him and all everybody there. She found out about it, and she said, we can't let this happen. She went to David and said, look, I know what my husband represents. His name means, and she told him, hard-headed, hard to get along with, likes to fight, thinks he runs everything. David could say like it, yep, you're right. But Abigail, on the other hand, bows before him, brings him gifts, and says, please don't do this. These people, it's him. It's him. It, these people are innocent. You know what David said? Because of you, I won't. Now, later on, he married her, so that may have something to do with it. I don't know. But So what about unfaithful? Is, is it, when people think of your husband, sir, is this what they think of? The wife, has your, has your husband inherited your name, which means bad homemaker? Hey, we're coming over. Oh, no, you can't. Oh, no, please don't. Don't stop by the house today. Maybe next year. Appearance is whatever. Boss at the home. So you walk in, your husband keeps going like this. What does my wife do? You don't act like, like him all the time. You bossy. You command and demand until it happens here too. Hey, I, I've, I've been on the back deck out here and nobody knew I was doing it. And I'm listening going, what's he doing back there? What's he doing? Hi, preacher. with each other. What are you doing? If there's a bad character associated with your name, your spouse has to live with that too. You don't have a right to, or you shouldn't do that anyway. Your spouse deserves to have a good name. So let's get things cleaned up. Let's make it what it ought to be. Just the same thing as that, that rental property over there when that guy said, I, you can't trust Christians. Wait a minute, I'm a Christian. Don't tell me that. You may not be able to trust those Christians, but you can trust me. I will pay my bill, and I did. And I paid theirs. He couldn't believe it. He said, you know that they're the ones that owe this. I said, yes, sir, I understand that. I understand that. So it goes a long way. Number six. Almost done. Ready? Number six. Be on time for everything, especially when paying bills. Now, here's what you're thinking. Preach, you know all the common things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I sure do. There are several things you can do. Now, let's just assume that there are things that, oh, first of all, go to, go to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Be on time for everything, but especially paying your bills. Now you say, preacher, you don't understand. Oh, sure I do. Ask my wife, ask me, ask my kids. I mean, for months sometimes we were behind. Months. You say, what'd you do? We did the same thing most people do. We, we told them we can't right now. We will later on. We did the whole thing. So much character we had to learn. So many things God had to teach us. And in order, can you imagine me trying to lead other people and I don't pay my bills one time? Oh, that's just preacher. He does that. Yeah, he cheats people out of bills all the time. Can you imagine that? So what happened was we did that whole, you know, we'll pay gas this month. We'll have to let electric go. Then we'll pay catch up on electric. We'll have to let gas go. We did that for years. 
there's some things we had to learn. And there's some things you have to learn. You need to quit letting people that just bail you out so easily. You need to learn character. God's more concerned about your character than your comfort. Look in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27. Withhold not good from them to whom it is what? Due. There's certain things that's owed to other people. And it comes due. Every month, every year, whatever the case may be. So you need to notice it is due. Payments should be made when they are due or before. Don't take advantage of grace periods. Well, I know it's due on the 1st, but they said I have an, at least until the 25th. Or, why do you even consider that? Force yourself to do things right. Let me give you an example. So somebody asked me, said, Preacher, what happens if something happened and you just can't? Then let's be honest. You know what we do? We avoid our creditors. We won't call them. We won't follow up. We don't have a plan. We just hope them we'll ignore them and they'll go away. Worst thing you could do. Worst thing you could do. You get on that phone, and sir, that's not your wife. You get on the phone and call them. Say, this is, this is George Bell. I, I, I've got a mortgage coming up, and some things have happened at work. I just want you to know, and maybe we could work things out. I'm not, I'm not trying to get by. I will pay this on the second or the third or whatever the case is. Call them. Be honest. Tell them what's going on. Look, in our economy, they understand a lot of this. Some people get free rides. Other people have to pay their way. So be honest with them. A lot of people will just understand, look, man, I know it's tough on everybody. So when are you going to try to pay this? Okay, all right, I'll give you till then. See, that's honest. When you don't tell them, it's open-ended like this. Why didn't they call? Why didn't they say something? Man, I would have worked with them, but they never said anything. You need to be honest with people. Payments should be made. Just because you're making a payment to a large company or corporation doesn't mean they don't need your money. They'll never miss my 120 bucks. You honestly believe that? You know, people think that about large churches. Large churches have a lot of money. You know what large churches spend a lot of money? Large corporations use a lot of money. That's why they need a lot of money. That's why you don't deserve all of their money. Okay, what Biden says. Now, so what happens here? For example, if payday, payday for you came due and your boss, what would happen? And your boss said like this, um, you're supposed to get paid today. Or it's payday. Is, is, your, is your boss here? Did, did you get paid today? And for two weeks, you can't even find him. You would suspect something's wrong. Why don't the guy keep, well, won't he at least tell me what's going on? That's all people really want. For the most part, that's what they want. Are you honest enough to face me and tell me what's going on and let's work this thing together? You're not trying to not pay I have a delay in payment, and I just want you to know that. Then, watch, at that point, they have the right to do what they want. Understand that, right? Normally, they will give you some leeway there. For example, school payment. You're late two days, one month. You say, it's not a big deal. We have until the 15th. You see what you did already? What if there were no grace period? So what happens? One month, you're late two days. The next month, you wait until the 15th. The next month, you go until the end of the month and take advantage of the grace period and other people's feelings saying, how can you be this tough? Now, what's happening is simply this. Now, being late, it's just expected of you. That's not right. It would be a lot better if you simply walked in there what's happening. That's what's happening.
was going on. I know teachers need to get paid. I understand things are really tight. Here's what happened, and I'm not trying to get out of it. I do need to pay this out, and I will, because I have this coming up. I have this coming up. That's honest. We can work with that. A creditor can work with that. But when you avoid and you start setting a pattern of, I'm late as far as I can go. I'm late as far as I can go. I'm late as far as I can go. Pretty soon, they just assume, he's late again. And so that, that's not good. So I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Not really, but I'm almost done. As Christians, we should give our children an honor grade. That's what a lot of you in this room are starting to do. You come from backgrounds that you were not proud of. You got saved out of the world. And now you want what's best for your children. Okay, don't just want what's best. You be what you're supposed to be. So you go like this. That's my daddy. That's my mom. No, my dad's a bus captain. No, my, my, my dad teaches Sunday school. No, that's my dad. He just got through saying, my mom plays piano in church. Make them have a heritage that says, that's my mom and dad. Instead of, who cares about that? I mean, we can't, we can't, we got to stop this kind of thing that's going on in our life. The Bible says in Proverbs 10, 7, you can turn there later, the memory of the just is blessed. When you think of your parents, what do you think? The memory you have of them, is it blessed or not? If you're getting ready to leave this world after living a long time, would your memory be blessed about the way you live? Would you give to your children a name that causes their name, the association, to rot? Or one they'd say, no, that's, we're bells. We know, we know what we're doing. No, that's what's right. No? What happens, your children... Will your children rot because of you? What do I mean by that? In that same verse, he said, but the name of the wicked shall rot. The name, the name of the wicked. That your children have your name. A lot of us are even arrogant enough to name them by our first and last name. Is that a hope? George Foreman had five boys named all George Foreman. He was a boxer. Named all George Foreman. Talk about arrogant. He just didn't want his name to die. So watch what happens. Your lifestyle may cause them to be labeled the same as you. So would that be good or bad? I'm not passing judgment. I'm just asking you to ask yourself because of how you chose to live. Example, have you ever had somebody in your life, older brother, sister? I had one, two, three, three, three or four older brothers and sisters. We all went through the same school. We all knew the same people. We all went to the same places. You know how bad that was for me? You're Bell's little brother, aren't you? Well, you just met me. What does that mean? They already had an influence because of him. You ever go to a classroom, they go like this. Drive safe. You have an older brother used to come here? And immediately you think, oh, no, come on. Or, yes, ma'am. Which one is it? Your children and people that are following us, they need to have a name that brings honor that they want to serve. Uh, then go to uh, Proverbs 37, 21. Almost done. Proverbs 37, 21. Proverbs 37. It's not Proverbs 37. Psalms 37. Sorry. You ever notice the only thing you catch me on are the mistakes I make? Like, I don't think he's reading the King James Bible. Okay, I got it. My people look up like, wait a minute, is he reading the King James Bible? Mine doesn't say that at all. He rearranged the whole sentence. What's that all about? Psalm 37, verse 21. Return anything and everything that you have borrowed. Oh, oh, oh no, conviction. <clears throat> right? I don't care if it's your parents or not. The 
the Bible said in Psalms, not Proverbs, Psalm 37, 29, the wicked borroweth and payeth not again. That's not good. So if I'm borrowing and not paying back, God said that's wicked. That's what it says. The wicked borroweth and payeth not back. But watch this though. But the righteous showeth mercy and giveth. He's okay. He knows how to handle things. Many times borrowing becomes stealing because we never return it. There's no such thing as eternal borrowing. Really, it's not borrowing anymore. It's kind of stealing, kind of keeping. You say, can I borrow is not a permanent term. Let's say somebody like this. Um, can I borrow a drink of water? We don't give it back. We use terms we don't even think about sometimes. So the same thing here. Never borrow. I always go by this. Never borrow what you cannot afford to pay for. Never lend out what you cannot afford to lose. How am I supposed to pay for that? I let them use it. Yeah, if somebody bring back your lawnmower, right? The blade's all twisted underneath. Shaft's bent. It's empty of gas. And they almost get you thinking, you gave it to them that way. You know what you should have done? You should have bought them another lawnmower and had that fixed. That would be the right thing to do. When somebody, when I'm somebody, uh, I borrow somebody's car, the truck out here, whatever, I always put diesel in, gas in, whatever it takes. I always do that. When I borrow something from somebody, even when we didn't have any money, I cleaned it back up. I borrowed your lawnmower when I was done. You said, it's a lawnmower. It's not your lawnmower. It's their lawnmower. You said, well, it was dirty when I got it. Okay, then clean it up and give back to them. It's just there's a name on the line you ought to be more concerned about. Never borrow what you cannot afford to pay for and never lend out what you cannot afford to lose. Do you know why people do not lend at you maybe stuff? <laughs> if it hasn't dawned on you yet, yeah, I wonder about that. Last time I said they said, no, we don't have that anymore. I saw it in their garage. Why would they not do that? Because you care about them. They don't want any. So... And then finally, almost, let's go here. Go to Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter number 16. Our world has a huge influence on business people, even Christian business people. You'll never get ahead if you don't start cutting a deal. You'll never get ahead if you're being that honest with people. You need to quit listening to those people. Quit listening to them. We're supposed to be wise. 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 How do you do things? How do I go about things? The world, you're not supposed to take counsel from the ungodly. I don't care how good they seem to be in business. If they do not know Jesus Christ and are not using the Bible to instruct you, that is, you're not supposed to receive their counsel. They're, they're up to no good. Listen to me carefully here. Keep your business dealings fair and above reproach. Proverbs 16, 11, A just weight and balance are the Lord's. All the weights of the bag are his work. What's the Lord saying here? Some merchants in, in, in long ago had actually three weights and measures that they used to use all the time. I didn't know this. One of them is heavy weights when they're selling something. Oh, no, there's more to it than that. So they would use a heavier weight for that balance. Then when they come to buy something, they had a lighter weight. Oh, no, it's not worth that. Then there were those who would use perfect weights when the law was around. The Bible says God 
a just weight and not thought of the Lord. When you do things fair and right and above board the way it's supposed to be, God said, I'm in that. I'll take care of you. I'm in that. We're always worried about people getting over on us. You are dishonest as the men that I just talked about. If you sell a car and reset the odometer before you sell the car. Or you put a bunch of goop in the uh, oil because it's leaking and this will help stop the leaks. It'll also gum up the engine and make it stop before long. That's his problem. He should have known better. That's dishonest. Do you superficially paint putty paper before selling your rundown home? The next guy that comes in has to pay for all the stuff you hid. That's not right. It's just, you actually think God will bless you for doing things like that? That's just not right. Question, would you like it if somebody did things like that to you? No, we cry like a mouse eating onions. Man, we, that's not fair. That's not right. How can people do stuff like that? Are you sure you haven't done things like that to other people? And then finally, I'll close with this. To have and keep a good name. Spend time with others who will help you have a good name. My mom used to say like this. I was in trouble all the time and I'd cop it. Mom, it wasn't me. She said, you're as guilty as those you're going to be. And she's right. My mom wouldn't even say it any better than that. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, the first part. Wherefore, come out from among them, be a separate, saith the Lord. I said, quit running with people like that. It's not good for you. It's bad for your testimony. It's not helping you at all. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, he that walketh with wise men shall be, guess what? Safe. So you're like those you run with. You run around with divisive people, deceiving people, tricking people, talking people into stuff. You're going to learn that. And then when they mention their name, they'll think about you. You have to you have to get away from all that. You are the kind of friends you have. You are the kind of friends you have. So just scan all your friends right now. Okay, some of you may not take it very well. Scan all your friends. Curtis Hudson said you attract what you are, not what you look like. You know why the type of people hang around you? Because that's what you are or that's what you want to be. You have to understand, your name is on the line here. Christ's name is on the line. Your parents' name is on the line. Your children's name is on the line. Your church's name is on the line. There's a lot of things going on in here. Fair or not, spending time with a person who has a bad name will give you a bad name. Folks, you can't, this isn't going to come out well, right? But you can't kiss pigs and think it's, you're not going to stink. It's just going to happen. You're not going to be exception to the rule. Question. If your name was a reflection of your true character, if your name was a reflection, in other words, we're going to change your name to what you really are, what would it be? What's in a name? A lot. What would happen here? Would your name say when they think of you late, dishonest, robber of God, lustful, liar, if, that, if, they, if your true character was your name, would that be okay? You all right with that? Lazy, exaggeration, impatient, hateful, simple, deceitful, what would it be? Just think, if we would labor to have a good name, when people think of you, 